Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. And it's still Savaru mixed with a two-length lead over T-Clipper in the centre. Seti Hill back in third on the inside. On their way up the running, Didley. Leave you out two, fell at the last. Savaru Mix is holding on really gamely out in front under Gavin Sheehan. Savaru Mix made virtually all. Almazar guard keeps responding to Gavin Sheehan. He's got a three-length lead coming into the last, which he landed running at. Dr Sanderson's gone second. Molyneux has cracked. They're halfway up the running. Almazar guard is an improving five-year-old he's made one or two mistakes but it hasn't stopped him and he's won this readily Almazar guard Abassi trying to get to stick with Bill as they come towards the final obstacle now nearly a stone in weight difference here on the left stick with Bill on the right Lisa Dovassi Dublin four clamping over it lost third to iconic muddle stick with Bill in front but Lisa Dovassi now trying to produce a challenge in the closing stages 11 stone 12 on the back of stick with Bill and he's carried it to victory she feet nose banded on the right coming into it very strongly Last fence now, very little between Midnight Shadow and Itchy Feet. They've left the others behind. Arena was pulled up before the last. And it's Itchy Feet in front now with about a two, three length advantage to Gavin Sheehan. And Itchy Feet is the winner of the Betway Silly Isles. Well, he's well on his way to his best ever season, but he's got the high-profile horses to help him as well. 63 winners for this campaign and counting, and the assistance of some of the country's most powerful owners, most notably Andrew and Kate Brooks, and some of the best trainers as well. He is, of course, Gavin Sheehan. Don't let me down after that build-up. <laughs> it's good build-up. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's a build-up that's well, well warranted. I don't suppose even though you're an optimist, that you could have imagined this season could have gone quite as well as it has? No. Um, I knew I had um, a good start in that, but it was just trying to keep the ball rolling, and it has kept on rolling, which I'm lucky enough. Um, but we need to keep pushing now on to Cheltenham and Aintree. So just before we, we go back in time a little bit, worth looking forward, it, it appears as though there's some serious horses for, for the Cheltenham Festival. Yesterday's winner, Rouge Vive, Itchy Feet, Simply the Bets, San Calvados, they'll all they'll all turn up there in those Brooks colours. Yeah, yeah, very much looking forward to them. Um, we just need to put our heads together and see which race we'll run them in. Um, but yeah, they're exciting, and you know the few of them have form around Cheltenham as well, which is good. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, and of course your breakthrough Cheltenham Festival winner a few years ago on on Cole Harden. But take me right back to the start because. I'm right in thinking you don't really come from a from a horse racing background, and indeed your your mother, the last thing she wanted was for you to become a jockey. How did you manage to defy her and defy the odds? Yeah, our family, um, you know, I've got three brothers and two sisters, um, but we were all always into sports. Father was big into sports. We've done hurling in football, soccer, you name it, we kind of did it. Um, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I kind of got into horses, and I was lucky enough that I have a good base down in Dunmanway, West Cork, um, that they were big into horse racing, uh, pony racing more so than anything. Um, but there was Castle Racing Syndicate, um, a team of lads, Davy Keane there was uh, brilliant. Uh, he was the, the Aidan O'Brien, Vincent O'Brien of the pony racing. Um, but yeah, I just kind of went up messing around in ponies, kind of falling off and getting back on and messing away that way. But um, it just built from all of that really just messing around and bought myself a donkey and tried to 
to break that in myself off reading a book I'd, a bit that was about that size for probably a shy horse um, put that in his mouth and try to break him but <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of good stories back then um, messing around with Barry Donovan and the the, the ponies up there the little 12-2 ponies and um, yeah just pony racing kind of I had a good break pony racing and rode a lot of nice nice horses um, Shake Bar was probably the main one um, he won a couple of times at Dingle um, the famous Dingle Derby not the Dingle Derby the Golden Mile which the was the, the champion hurdle if you like um, but yeah it was just always a good buzz I had always a good atmosphere um, rode out for Jerry Cully um, Robert Heiner um, John Murphy uh, and just good friends and good fun and I thought, thought this is what I wanted to do So how young an age were you already feeling that you were sort of a competitive rider? Um, probably when I was about 19 yeah. <laughs> um, I got into when I was about 11 or 12 I'd say um, done it for a bit of fun and then I kind of when I went up to Michael Harrigan's point to point and he kind of sat me down one day and he said this is a business not a not a hobby um, but I ended up um, going to John Murphy's as uh, riding out riding 21 races as an amateur and then got a fall and made the big move over to England I just want you to rewind a little bit because I can't let anyone say that they've had a sit-down conversation with Michael Hurrigan without expanding on it a little bit because this is one of the important characters of the game. You don't hear so much of him, haven't heard so much of him in the last decade, but when he was in his pomp, he was he was quite a force to be reckoned with. He was, yeah. Um, he did a lot of good horses, didn't he? He seemed to be for Salmon there the other day. Um, a lot of good horses, but he, he had a lot of good jockeys went through him. And, you know, the... There's a, a lot of grounding at Michael Arrogans. He was brilliant. Um, and, you know, he, he gave me a lot of help. Um, I didn't know an awful lot about jumping at the time. And I used to school there quite regularly. Um, lived inside his house for a couple of, couple of weeks. Um, actually with Adrian Heskin. He kind of went, he was there a little bit before me. But, yeah, it was just good grounding there. And you kind of learned your job. But I kind of... Um, didn't really take it too much as a job <laughs> at the time and he kind of said that to me um, you know and it, it, I was riding point to points you know so he was trying to win point to points with them and then sell them on and mm. you know I just enjoying the whole game a bit too much and not taking it probably serious enough You came to England and, and joined and joined Charlie Mann and you've often talked about the grounding that he gave you it, it, and if you were saying that you were a bit Lacking in focus, or you weren't taking it seriously. How did how did Charlie make you apply yourself when you when you went there? Um, well, when I went there, to be fair, he lovely place, Lambourne. Um, you know, really is. And he didn't have a conditional there at the time. I'd know Feely, so you know, I used to train base myself off Noel. Um, but any time we went racing, he used to go racing with Charlie, and he told me he walked the track and I'd go around there. He'd bring me in and kind of go through the races with me you know it wasn't ride the horse and that's that it was do the whole process and uh, I can remember going to Cheltenham with him one day and he was driving and asked me did I ride around the chase course there I said no he said have you rode over hurdles there I said no he said have you ever been to Cheltenham I said no <laughs> he said jeez if I had known that I wouldn't have put you on the horse <laughs> uh, um, 
bench warrant. I finished third in him. He got me a picture, and I only got it when I got back home or the following day. And he said, uh, "You can have that picture." I said, "Oh, brilliant! Thanks very much. I lovely picture. Me riding bench warrant around Cheltenham." And he said, uh, "Yeah, but you have to do all my the stones and on my drive." So I had to go picking weeds for the next couple of weeks to, to get the picture. But that was, you had to work for what you got. I worked hard inside in Charlie's and I re- reaped the rewards. I had seven winners my first year with Charlie and I had 24 the next year with Charlie Man. Because he's a, an interesting guy. We've had him on the show. He, he doesn't conform to, to type. He doesn't behave the way that necessarily all other trainers do. He's his own man. Do you think that was an advantage for you, that he was someone who was just prepared to do his own thing and treat you perhaps slightly differently to how other trainers would their conditional jockeys? I think it was great for me, really, that he um, he made me work for what I got. But Charlie was very fair, and he's been mm. very good to his jockeys. Um, no, Feely always says the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, David Cross was there at the time as well, and he was a champion amateur. Um, but he's, just, he's got good grounding, good horses. He kind of done things right. You know, it was... I think a lot of people nowadays almost have things a bit too easy. They've got days off, evenings off, one evening off a week and things. And obviously times are changing, but you go to Charlie Mann's and, you know, you had to, I had to work through lunch times, showing horses for owners. But that was great for me, you know, speaking to owners and things at lunchtime as well. And it was just all good grounding and, you know, he'd done the simple things right. You're an old head, but you're still only 28. 27. 27. Not even 28. <laughs> and... It, it, it's well worth remembering in a sense that you, you've crammed an awful lot into a, into a very short space of time but I always get the feeling when I, when I talk to you and when I, when I watch you and when I, I hear you talk that you wanted everything to go quicker you wanted the success to come more quicker you were impatient and hungry for that success very early Yeah, it definitely was um, You know, now I'm kind of looking towards the future whereas my future was the next day it was everything was going to happen now um, Yeah, I was a bit impatient but I think we are kind of in this game. Um, yeah, I wanted the big winners and the big su- success straight away, but because I had that good ground and things, it's it's made me mature and you know kind of more look to the future and there's bigger and better days ahead. And I know that that your relationship with with Warren Gracious, while still strong in many respects, has had its ups and downs. Would it be fair to say that you found each other at exactly the right time? in your respective careers. You sort of hit the sweet spot, if you like. Yeah, definitely. Um, Charlie Mann probably went from 44 horses down to about 24. Um, so that, to me, was kind of less rides, less winners. Um, so I was kind of half, you know, looking to go, you know, to bigger yard, thinking, you know, the world is my oyster. But um, I spoke to Warren, um, and he kind of, got on to Chris Broad, who's my agent. Um, he got on to him and I went up there schooling one day and just kind of, yeah, made the move over there. He had Tom Gardner as a conditional, and I think he was after moving to Oliver Sherwood's. Um, but yeah, it was a, a good move because Warren was hungry, he wanted more things, um, had a couple of rides for him and things went well. And then fell in and all of a sudden things really took off between us. And he was young, you were young, the horses were increasing in quality, you were riding them all, you were riding them all in the morning as well. How valuable was that? I think very valuable. Um, I knew the horses inside out. I think he, he, he moved from about 27 or 8 horses up to 44, something like that. So he was 
stepping up and you know things were increasing I schooled all the horses um, schooled them all all the time done all the work knew the staff very well and you know I helped out in the staff as well you know just to I think I think it was important that like if one's been a bit lazy I was upside and telling them to grab a hold of it and different things and yeah that just it was good fun that year um, and the year after and the year after that but it was um, yeah it was brilliant and of course your crowning glory in your time with, with Warren when you were there as sort of full time stable jockey if you like was Cole Harden winning the winning the World Herb you look back on that now and do, do, you, do you look back on him as a, an overachiever essentially um, you, you could look back on it and say he probably overachieved but that day there was absolutely nobody getting past me um, you know I could have I could have went sooner and kicked even harder um, but he, he was just in the zone that day and there was nothing going to get past me that day he was in the zone and you were in the zone I, I was quite interested in a, a comment I read that, that that Warren had given you a bit of a motivational speech beforehand which was quite unlike the talk that trainers give jockeys ahead of, of races just tell me a little bit about that <laughs> Warren um, legged me up on the horse and we spoke about what we were going to do and he um, you know he bigged me up before he legged me up and legged me up and I thought that was that next thing come around on the far side and uh, Warren was there beside me pumping me up again but um, just to get me in the zone and probably take away everything else and just say this is it this is the big day and you know we got to do it and um, I was a bit sharp and a bit more switched on probably from that um, Were you someone who needed that confidence given to you? Not really um, you know I had a head camera on that, on that day as well it was one of the first head cams um, but it's funny when I look back at that and see Warren beside me because he's um, he's given me that extra bit I went out and every horse I sit on I think we're kind of almost invincible and we'll always win you know you go with that attitude and I think you have to go with that attitude um, but then Warren there beside me just I suppose when he got down to the start I was a bit more switched on and a bit more up for it and a bit more I don't care about anybody else this is kind of our day and it's our race Amazing horse and a fantastic ride as well I think that was widely acknowledged at the time have you ever ridden a horse tougher than that? I wouldn't say so no he would have literally laid down for me and what difference did it make to you in terms of your, your psyche when you were going out to ride horses that day? What difference did that day make? Um, I had a couple of days, it was funny because the couple of weeks leading up that I used to mess with the lads at home, Graham Baines used to ride them out and just practice the celebration and things. And, you know, we really did think he had a big chance. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was proper in his own for, for that day. And what about afterwards? I, afterwards, it was just, it was a good buzz afterwards it kind of it didn't really hit home to what I've actually done and how big it actually was um, which I, I learned a lot from that day as well and how you kind of approach approach the big days Did it give you an <coughs> added level of expectation as to where your career was going to go next? Um, I'm very realistic about things um, you know and I kind of try to work out in my head myself what's going to happen um, Cole Harden I thought was going to win um, at entry after that and I thought he was going to go on and he was going to be my star horse but things didn't quite work out that way and um, kind of 
was looking for the next horse then and as such because things just didn't work out with him and he kind of um, had a few little niggly problems but looked on for the next horse. And for, for, as far as your own career is concerned, <coughs> you still ride for Warren so you clearly have a good relationship still but you're no longer first jockey there and you've found other really useful avenues that, that have taken you places where you want to go. What do you think was the, was the, was the problem if there was one at the time? Um, I don't really know to be honest. Um, you know, I was there might have been one or two bigger races that probably um, he might have felt that got away. Um, but Warren didn't um, just pick another jockey. He picked the champion jockey, um, Dicky Johnson. I mean, I kind of yeah, like I look up to Dicky Johnson, um, and he's been very helpful for me, but. I suppose for Warren, he was after getting 75 horses inside the yard at the time, and you know it's a lot easier for um, owners and things to say yes, we want yeah. the champion jockey. It's um, you know, and I, Warren probably told me he's a good backup. Um, I've very good relationship from. I was looking forward to riding Mr. Approach today. I had two rides for Warren yesterday. We've still got a very mm. good relationship, but um, you know, you take away all the positives from that one negative, um, you know, and I'm quite happy, you know, the way things worked out. Yeah, and it's clearly worked out really well for you because it's given you still the association with the yard and still the rides on some of the best horses, but also the freedom to explore other options and your, your link up with Jamie Snowden, with Harry Whittington, in particular with the owners, Andrew and Kate Brooks, that have been incredibly rewarding for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, initially I thought, is that me gone um, out the game? But I spent about two hours at home inside the dark and just thought about all the bad things and then quickly kind of spent another hour after that thinking about what good can come from this. Um, went went about my job for the next couple of days and then got a text off Jamie Snowden saying, can you come in for a cup of tea? Just like that? Yeah, just like that. Um, I spoke to Chris Broad as well and he was, um, you know, I, my name was in the hat for the, the Rooney job. Um, so then I kind of stood a bit taller again. Popped your um, chest out a little yeah, bit. Though. I had a good cup of tea with Jamie Snowden and uh, he kind of said that he'll use me if I can come in and ride out and give him a bit of time and I thought that was brilliant. Um, you know, so went in there and, you know, he, Jamie's having his best ever season now. Um, things are flying and, you know, it might have been one step back but it was two forward. That's the way to look at it. It was just always look for a positive and there was plenty of positives to take out of it and have a very good relationship with him and now I've built other good relationships. So how are you different as a person now at 27, not 28, 27, to the jockey we saw at 21, 22? Um, look, I'm more mature about things. Um, you know, I, I understand because things were going so well at the time, I thought, you know, you almost think the game is easy, especially as a conditioner. You're riding all these winners, and um, you know you, you almost think the game is easy. I thought what was very good with me is that it took me about three years to lose my claim, mm. so I built up a lot of contacts. Um, but now I, I think I think I've got a good head in me now, um, and I go into things on a positive attitude now, and just I just enjoy my racing. Um, I'm not going to allow this part of the conversation to, to go without talking about a, a great friend of yours who, who died this week, James Banks. 
because he was very much part of the, the circle that you grew up with in, in Lambourne. Um, tell me a little bit about, about James. James was a character, um, you know, a good friend, um, good friend to many people, um, good family man. Um, you know, he always used to send Snapchats and things and he'd always give you a smile. Um, but yeah, he, James was one of those that would go racing with him and you think, oh, I got beaten this today. He'd give you a dig in the, the shoulder and just say, get on with it. Mm. Um, always just making people laugh inside the waiting room. Um, you know, he, he had a big heart in him and, you know, he was kind of as such the life and soul inside the waiting room. But he, um, yeah, he had a great career and just his love for horses. That was that that was amazing. Um, his love for horses and friends and family, and um, you could talk all day about James. To be honest, um, it was just very sad um, what's happened. But um, yeah, you could sense at Newbury yesterday the extent to which the the whole racing community, not just the members of the weighing room, really had an enormous amount of warmth towards him. Someone who would always clearly light up the, the room that he was in yeah he would he'd come in and like James, James was loud he'd walk into the rain room and you knew exactly James was in he was in the building um, you know everybody had a lot of love for him there was nobody said a bad word about him um, you know and that's a credit to him and to his family um, you know and he um, yeah he, he used to just make everybody laugh and joke and everybody was kind of at ease you know Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai.